Vision Sunday is an exciting moment for us as a church where at the beginning of every year, we just stop to take a moment and remind ourselves that the, of the vision that God has for us as a church community. This morning, we're going to journey through our vision together. We're going to be looking at the vision that we believe God has entrusted to us as every nation comes to West, and we're going to stop at seven moments in this vision, and, and this morning is going to be exciting. But Vision Sunday, as I said, is an opportunity for us to say, Lord, let our hearts align once more. Let our lives align once more to the vision that you have for your church. The temptation is to try and constantly come up with a new vision. And I think history has shown that visions that are truly fulfilled are those of just long-standing effort and clarity of what we wanted to do and what we wanted to achieve. I was reading this week, I once had the privilege of visiting the Taj Mahal. 21 years of vision it took to build a place for one dead body. Because I don't know if you knew this, but it's a grave. 21 years of fulfilled vision. Can you imagine that every other year, the person with the vision said, no, 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 I don't like this vision anymore. Let's try something new. And I'm saying that to say, in the word of God, we're gonna see this morning that the vision God has for his church has been made plain. It's been written down and we are already in that story. We are already in the vision that Christ has for his kingdom in this world. We don't have to try and find something new or get the latest flavor of the season or find something that rhymes with 2020 to declare the new year or talk about 2020 vision and that the clarity has come. The vision God has for his church, guys, has been around since the very beginning when his church was born. And this morning is an opportunity not to try and redeclare it, but just simply to look at the word again and say, Lord, where's my heart at? Where is our heart at, a, at as, a, as a community together when it comes to your vision? The local church that we are a part of is part of the greater universal church, and by that I mean when I say universal church, it's the body of redeemed believers who consider Jesus as their first love and the final authority, and within that body there are various expressions of church, and every nation sounds west is a unique expression of the church of God. So within the vision of the bigger church, there's a specific vision he has for us as a people in how we live it out. And that's the exciting part. That's what we're gonna be looking at this morning based on the word of God and what he's been saying to us as a church over the years to just remind ourselves who this house is all about and what we are all about. I wanted to mention this, that part of who we are and the vision we live is that we are part of a global tribe called Every Nation. So naturally, our vision is also seen in the vision of Every Nation, the global tribe, by saying that we exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. And since we were planted as a church, that's been the vision that we've been carrying as part of this tribe. And you know what, for many years we would look at that and I was just like, God, wow, that's amazing. We, we Christ-centered and spirit-empowered and socially responsible and we're a church, but where's the campus at? And for so long we've been carrying this vision and saying it, but I would love to just share with you this morning that two weeks ago, we set foot on our own campus, Bulan College in Strand, and 70 students said they would like to be part of a connect group this year. Isn't that amazing? 
And then we can go back and say, but why not earlier and why not? And then like God said, guys, vision is for the appointed time. We felt so clearly that God spoke to us about Bulland Campus now. And then we stepped in and it was an effortless day of people saying, yeah, we want to connect. We want to be part of something. And we're still figuring out what it's going to look like, but the need is there. So as we carry vision, we just see God lining things up and then we become the fullness of that which he intends for us. So this morning to help us on our journey, we're going to be looking at two scriptures which by now you might know somewhat, maybe off by heart, maybe not, and that's not the problem, that's not the issue if you don't know it off by heart, but you might know some of the essence of it. But two scriptures, one that we've been looking at intently for four years and one that we looked at at the end of last year, Acts chapter 2 Ezekiel 47, and within that, we're going to identify the seven pit stops for this morning that we're going to journey through together to understand our vision clearly as a church. So let's read together, starting in Acts chapter 2. And they, the believers, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking the bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. Right at the beginning when the church was birthed, we saw a model, we saw an explanation of what it looks like to be a church of God, where people are devoted and then they demonstrate the kingdom through a lifestyle of worship. Devoted to the word, devoted to getting together, not doing it by yourself, devoted to to prayer, devoted to communion, devoted to getting into each other's homes and sharing life. And then there was a demonstration of the power of God in their midst and God growing his church. And within these things, we're gonna align our hearts to vision again. The second passage I wanna read this morning is Ezekiel 47. And we were here last year in our From a Trickle to a Flood series where we said, guys, we're already getting our hearts ready for the vision ahead of us. It's the river of God coming out of the temple and as it moves away from the temple, from a trickle, it turns into the flood and Ezekiel is inside of this river and then God speaks to him and says, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows towards the eastern region and goes down into the Arva." And enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so that everything who lives will be where the river goes. So where the river of God goes, there's life, and there's abundance of life. And then it continues. Fishermen will stand beside the sea. From Engedi to Ingalim, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, they will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruits fail, but they will bear themselves fruit every month, because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. And the fruit will be for food 
and their leaves for healing. Two passages of scripture that's been the forming of the vision for us as a church. And this morning we're going to start at our departure point. And we're not as much going to talk about the vision. We're rather going to talk about how we position ourselves in the vision. What kind of people are we to live out this vision of God? So first of all this morning, we are a people of devotion. We are a people of devotion. It is so clear in the first church that they devoted themselves. No one made them do it. They were so in love with Christ that they, they gave their lives to the idea of devoting themselves to Jesus. Devotion, defined in the English language, is the idea of love, loyalty, and enthusiasm towards a person. Love, loyalty, and enthusiasm towards a person. That's how devotion is defined. And this very first church, and what I believe we as Every Nation Sons of West is all about is our love for Jesus, him being the head, him being our leader, him going ahead of us and our lives, loving on him. Secondly, we are a, a, a people that's about enthusiasm for him and his kingdom. And then we are a loyal people. We are loyal to Jesus. And it's because of our loyalty to Jesus that we make this, the church and the getting together, a priority in our lives. You see, you can have church without Jesus, but you'll never have the real Jesus without church because it's his bride and it's his body. So the idea of following Jesus without the body does not exist. It's unscriptural. You can go to church and we can sing songs and we can even read the Bible and we can have someone preach and, and Jesus could not be in the middle of it. But it, when Christ is in the middle of our lives, we are the church and we gather as the church and we devote ourselves as the church. And I was thinking about this. The first church did not have Acts 2 to read on a Sunday morning when they cast vision. So I was asking the Lord, then how did they become that? Because now we are in the privileged position to have Acts 2 as a mirror to look at and say, we would love to be that. And, and I felt the Lord just simply say, Pierre, look at my marching orders earlier when there were so many ideas of Jesus, what is really important? What has got to be most important in my life? And they were having discussions and debates and Jesus steps in and he says, guys, let me make this simple for you. What is most important is your devotion towards me. Let's read in Mark. Jesus answered, the most important, everyone say most important, is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And I read that again this week, and I'm like, Lord, help me understand this better. With all my heart, all my mind, all my soul, and all my strength, because if that is most important to you, I, I want to make sure that I make this most important. Now, I want to show you something very simple this morning. Is if this is your life, we, we, we think devotion looks something like this. This is this is Pierre and my capacity, and this is what I, I have time and energy for. And, and within that, I, I place some valuable things that I spend my life on. So family is important to me. I need to put that in there. And then there's work and a career, and it takes quite a lot of time, so I need to put that into the box. And oh, of course, yes, I need to put God into the box, need to make time for Him. Uh, and because I make time for Jesus, and I, I love Jesus, I love His body as well, so I'll make time to put that into the box. And then there's a few other things. I have a few hobbies that I enjoy. I want to stay fit. I want to put that into the box. And I, I want to maybe work a little bit harder because there's something I want to buy. And all of a sudden we look at our box and we're like, wow, Lord, 
something's got to give because my capacity is running out. And then we battle with this idea of devotion. So like, okay, God, you know what? Let me reshuffle my priorities. Let me, let me say, okay, Lord, I'll give you some of my devotion. I'm going to put that in there, but I'm going to reshuffle just the sizes of things. So let me put that in there. That's family. Doesn't fit there. Okay, maybe make some time to do it there. And there's some hobbies I want to spend time in, so I'm going to put that in there, and it doesn't quite fit. And we try and reorganize things, and, and then all of a sudden we get to a place where this doesn't match up, and the whole idea of devotion becomes an obscure idea because I just don't have time. Anyone ever felt like that? You see, we've got to understand that devotion looks like this. It's Jesus, and then we fit our life into him. And then all the other priorities matter. You see, we, we think we are the leader and the owner of our lives, so let's figure out where we fit devotion. No, 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 God says, you are hidden with Christ in God. It's no longer you who live, but Christ lives. In him, we live and move and have our being. So devotion is not a rearrangement of priority. Because loving the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength is not a priority. It's a way of life. It's an everyday. It's in every relationship. It's in your workplace. It's when you get up. It's when you do your hobbies that you are spending time with him and your affections are towards him. It's when you eat your food that your heart is so in love with Jesus that you're thankful for the food that you get to eat. It's when you spend time with your family that you don't see that as away from God, but seeing it as existing in God, that devotion becomes something completely different. This first church knew that devotion is stepping into that place of being in Jesus. And then the rest happened. Instead of trying to rearrange our lives and oh, I've got to make that fit as well. It's tiresome, right? Let's not fall in that trap. Devotion is not a priority. It is all of life. It is the essence of life. It's everything. It's your life. Put into God. And believe me, when you do that, the other priorities kind of follow and fall in place. So some of you need to Remove yourself from this idea of making God and following Him and going to church as a box to fit. Say, no, Lord, I'm sorry that I've done that. I'm climbing into you today. And with inside my capacity, you will make the things fit as it needs to be. It is so evident, according to Scripture, that this first church that was so devoted was quickly seen to be living in the demonstration of the power of God which is the second part of our vision this morning, that we are a people of demonstration. See, when they devoted themselves and the marks of a devoted church is that the kingdom is demonstrated within that church, is that the kingdom is demonstrated in the community around that church. Because when we are so devoted to Jesus and our fire and our flame and our fuel in Him is constantly burning, we become people that demonstrate the kingdom. For these first believers, the demonstration happened in, in the way that they were united. It was an amazing sense of unity. It happened in the way that they were in the awe of God. It said fear came upon every soul. They were standing in the awe and the reverence of Almighty God like we are standing this morning. But then this church understood that there is a way maker, Jesus, that they've got to 
share with the world. So they exercised signs and wonders. People were sick, they would lay hands on them and they would get healed. Because the way maker is making a way to people's lives through us, his church. We can sing till we blew in the face, but the real life Jesus is not gonna run through the doors and come stand up front and says, I'm the way maker. He turns and he looks at us and says, my church, it's through you that I am the way maker that demonstrates the kingdom to the world. So we see this church had a demonstration of power. There were signs and miracles. And this morning we're gonna see signs and miracles that we're gonna pray for one another and let him come and move in our midst. And then we also see how these people were deeply generous. Said no one had any lack. No one counted their belongings to be theirs. They sold it and they shared. And I believe in a community that could live like that where the way maker comes and makes a way for those who are in dire days because someone else says, you know what, there's some stuff that I can get rid of to help my brother and sister in need today. That's when the way maker is really at work is when we, the church, becomes a community that's not only devoted to Jesus but boldly demonstrates the kingdom which he has brought into this world. The second marching order that he gave his first church who didn't have Acts 2 to look at was the furtherance of his great commandment. He said, second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment given than these. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength and then love your neighbor as yourself which then implies that everything you would want for self you would want for your neighbor. Just as you desire healing, you should be desire healing for your neighbor. This is you desire the kingdom in your life, you should be desiring the kingdom for your neighbor. Just as you wanna benefit from what it is to live a life surrendered to Jesus, there should be a burning fire in your heart to see that for your neighbor. A neighbor easily and closely defined as simply those in close proximity to you just as you want to have enough to get by the commandment is to live in such a way that you love your neighbor to have enough to get by this is how this first church demonstrated the kingdom of Jesus Jesus sent them out and reference Matthew and Luke he says and go as you proclaim saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand heal the sick raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Guys, go and take this kingdom and share it with the world around you. They took the words of Jesus to heart and all they did is they just simply applied it and there was a demonstration of power. We are a people of devotion. We are a people of demonstration. And then we see within this first church something amazing happened. There's life and there's growth and there's multiplication and there's expansion. And our third point this morning, our third pit stop is that we are a people of discipleship. That we are a people of following Jesus and as Jesus said, come unto me and follow me, we are becoming like Jesus. And because of that, we are looking for others to reach and pull on this journey of becoming mature in Jesus. Discipleship is the simplest thing in the world. It's simply defined as this, growing into the maturity in Jesus while helping others grow in their maturity in Jesus. It's simple, right? It's you following Christ and at the same time, bringing others along and helping them 
follow Christ. We live in a world today where we think church and following Jesus and discipleship is this complex machine and process that we've got to figure it out. But it's so clear in the word that we just have to follow him and he makes us become people who help others follow him. See, discipleship is where the church grows and is multiplied. Let's read together what happened in Acts chapter six. It says, the word of God continued to increase the preaching, the showing, the demonstration, the devotion to the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Where there's a devoted people who's demonstrating the kingdom, we'll see the effect of discipleship. It'll be there, guys. It's not something we've got to aim and strive and make happen. It's just there. And then God multiplies his church. He takes that which is there and he doesn't just add a few numbers. He doubles up. He multiplies. It's not just a plus. It's a multiplication of more and more and more. And for 2,000 years, this has been the story of the kingdom where disciples are being made. Can you imagine what it would have been like in the beginning when the Spirit was poured out and they preached the gospel and 3,000 people got saved and that was the first church if they said, whew, this is enough. We don't want to disciple anyone else. Let's close the doors and meet on Sundays in the synagogue. We have enough people now. That's never the intent of the heart of God. He's saying, no, my church is a church. It's on the move looking for new, looking for those on the outside, effectuating my kingdom so that more can come and they could be disciples. What does discipleship look like? Well, Jesus said, this is what I want you to do, Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Not just where you are at, think global. This is how you make disciples. You baptize them and then you teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So he's made it really simple. How do we make disciples? It's really easy. You go you engage someone, you tell them about Jesus, you baptize them, they're stepping into the new life and then everything that Jesus taught us, the foundations of our belief, what it is to be a follower of Jesus, we teach them that. And I look around this room this morning and I see people who can be disciple makers because so many of you know the foundations of Jesus and you were once baptized and you stepped into this new world and so we become a disciple making church. What discipleship is not, it's definitely not a menu of preference. Can you imagine Jesus calling his disciples together and says, okay, Peter, your, your, your turn. You get to choose today. I've got a few courses that I want to present. So you get to choose which one you like. The flavor of the season is 10 steps to become rich so that you can be generous. You can do that this weekend, or maybe you don't like that one. And the other day I called you Satan. So maybe you need to go to the course that says 10 steps to getting rid of your demons. And then Peter's like, oh, I've got a choice here. Well, true, I'd like to get rich and be generous, but maybe I'd rather want to go for this one first to sort myself out. And then, okay, let's speak to the, Andrew, what do you want to do this weekend? You know what? I, I see you're a family man, so maybe we should just present an amazing course on family. No, Jesus had some very clear things that he intentionally invested in his disciples. And the mandate he gave his churches, when you go out into the world, be intentional about investing these truths in people. I love being part of every nation because in this global family, we are clear about one thing. We want people established in the teachings of Christ and the foundations of who we are as a church. And then at some point, we can add all the other 10 steps. But for us as every nation sums a waste, we wanna be clear about the roadmap of discipleship going forward. And this is where this is coming in this morning. 214, 24-7, 
We are so aware that in today's world, the demand on all of us, the culture, the busyness, the lifestyle, the craziness of living in South Africa and everything else, as I shared earlier, there's a capacity and it's, as humans, we have a capacity and we've deeply been thinking about our discipleship journey, the roadmap that we wanna be intentional with in equipping you as disciples and at the same time helping you do that for others. And this is where 214 comes in. Now, I just wanted to clarify something. Discipleship is 24-7. It's a constant road of walking it out with Jesus. But then when we see the rhythms in the New Testament church is the scattered and the gathered church. They would go away from the meeting places, but then surely they got together to gather again. So 24-7 is you walking it out with Christ and your personal devotion, your reading, your prayer, your lifestyle of worship. But 2-1-4 is where we are creating the moments like this for us to gather in our discipleship journey. So let me explain 2-1-4 to you. 2 stands for two time slots a week. See, we're making it really easy. All the kids say two time slots a week. Now, keep reminding your parents, two time slots a week. Sunday mornings and small groups. Two time slots a week we get together in our journey of discipleship. Some of you might be on one because you're not in a group yet. This is the year where we're gonna get you into a group so that you can grow in your discipleship journey. Some of us are on a half because we're not in a group and we only go to church two Sundays a month and I'm not putting a heavy burden on you. I'm just saying this is our roadmap, guys. Let's gather for two time slots a week where we say we're gonna be the gathered church being discipled around his word. What does the one stand for? Any guesses? One time slot a month, over and above the two time slots a week where you are walking out your discipleship journey with the community. We get together for prayer first Thursday of the every month for an hour and a half. We pray together. It's very simple. So you can go and do the math. I don't want to do it. But if you put the month hour together and you say, okay, nine time slots out of the entire month, you've got a whole lot of hours left to do everything else that needs to be done. And within that, understanding that your life is in Christ, so it's a 24-7 game as you walk it out with Jesus. And then lastly, what does the four stand for? And this is something new that we felt led by the Spirit of God to start this year. Four weekends a year. So out of the 52, four weekends a year, on a Friday night and a Saturday morning, we're gonna gather for moments of equipping. We wanna equip you in deeper discipleship. We want to equip you in extended teaching and ministry and training and equipping to be a disciple of Jesus. So 214 is going to be the language that we're going to be speaking this year in our discipleship journey. Now take a moment and open it up. And on the inside you will find two pieces of paper. The one is a white little card. Does it look familiar? You guys have seen this card before. If you haven't, right up front in the venue for the past five years, we've had a board that we would put put names onto the board of people we are praying for and trusting God for, for their salvation. And then from time to time, as people are being saved, we would take the names off the board and move it to the cross on this side. But we've been thinking, guys, you know what? Sometimes it's just a decor piece. We forget to pray for the lost. And this is where discipleship starts. It starts in engaging the lost. 
It starts in reaching out to those who aren't in the household of faith yet and pulling their life. So now we said instead of having the board up front, we're taking the board home. All of us have got a name this morning. If you've got a blank one, it's just because we, all the names are covered, then you can add a name. You're the lucky ones that get to choose your own name. But can you imagine, I've got my name. I'm going to be praying for this person. I'm going to put it somewhere where I see it. But now I'm partnering with whoever wrote this name down. Can you imagine one morning, Stefan comes to me and he says, Pierre, I've been praying for Robbie. He's my friend. And his name was on that board. And I want to tell you that this week, Robbie met Jesus. And then I get up on stage and like, church, I've got great news. Robbie met Jesus this week. And then at the back there, someone says, I've been praying for Robbie too. See, now we're partnering in our prayers with one another for those we want to engage and see saved. Isn't that awesome? So instead of just looking at that on Sundays, we're now taking it right back home with us. And we are making sure all those ones that are still sealed, you're welcome to take them home if you feel like you could pray for more than one person. If not, leave them here. We want to make sure that every name that has been on the board will be prayed for. And then any other new names, you just start praying for those people. You start engaging them, and we'll see them being made disciples of Jesus. Now, Robbie gets saved. What happens with him? Well, he comes to church, and he gets connected into two time slots a week, Sunday morning and in the week, into a connect group. And I'm just playing, explaining to you the simplicity of discipleship here. And then the next thing is he would go to a 3D Sunday. 3D Sunday is something new we are starting once a month during the second service, not here, outside in another venue. Those people who are new to this church, who are new in their faith, will have a 20-minute moment of understanding the heartbeat of this house and what it looks like to get into this discipleship journey, where some leaders will connect with them and then will help them with their next steps. And then for all the rest of us and the people attending 3D Sunday, your next step is then getting into the equip weekend rhythm. Four times a year over the weekends we're going to gather. And today we just wanted to give you the dates. Over the next weeks we'll start communicating about what we are presenting at equip weekends. But this gives us the opportunity to be intentional about what we teach over these weekends. And it's going to be awesome because you're going to start on number one or number two. And then you're going to be going through number three and four, and within a year or maybe a year and a half, you would have done four different tracks of training and discipleship. And then once we get there, we'll figure it out. Then the Lord might just add some more. But we want you to have these dates, to write them down. And we get that people are busy and kids are busy. And maybe you've got a bunch of kids and they're all busy with sports over the weekend. Maybe you can sit down with your spouse and say, well, you know what, let me take the kids on Equip Weekend 15 to 16 of May, and I'll take care of their sport, and you go and be equipped. And next time around, I'll go to equipping, and you take care of the kids. You see, there are ways that we can make this happen. So 214 is going to be our discipleship journey this year. Two times lots a week, once a month for prayer, and four times in this year we're going to gather for in-depth discipleship and equipping. Are you excited about that? It's awesome. We are a people of devotion, we are a people of demonstration, we are a people of discipleship. And then we are a people of vision. In Ezekiel 47, he's inside this river, 
He's inside of the work of God. He's inside what God and his spirit is busy with. And God asks him, are you seeing it? See, we said this last year, you can be in the middle of vision and not see it. You can be in the middle of what God is doing and be focused on somewhere else. And we say that we are a people who are focused on the vision of the church. And I just want to, to heighten our faith again when we think about the vision Jesus has for his church. I don't know if you ever read the scripture like this, but let's read together. Ephesians 1, 23. It speaks about God, the Father, and he put all things under his Christ feet. So everything is placed under the authority of Christ and he gave him Christ as the head over all things to the church. Who is his body? The fullness of him who fills all in all. So this is crazy. Last year we spoke about God choosing the church, humans, to make known to the spiritual world the manifold wisdom of his work. So he would choose us as a church to show the spiritual world the varied colors of who he is. But then this scripture also says that God chooses us, the church, to bring fullness into this world. That the fullness of God and the strategy of Jesus and how he makes this earth filled with his glory is through us. Part of that we see in nature. We see amazing mountains. We see the ocean. We've had amazing weather for the past couple of days. And we're probably all in awe of that. And we're like, yes, God, this is awesome. But you know that we have more power to bring the glory of Christ to this world than the mountain that we see every week. You are more powerful than that Halderberg sitting there because you have something that the Halderberg doesn't have. You carry the spirit of Christ. And with the spirit of Christ, you get to speak about him. And you get to bring his fullness to other people. That's the vision he has for his church. My church I want to use to bring my fullness into the world. And you are right in the middle of it. You are sitting this morning inside of it. And I want us to have vision again that God has chosen every nation, Somerset West, in partnership with all the other churches in this basin to bring his fullness to this community. And these chairs that we turned around, they represent this morning, yes, empty spaces, but here it's not about numbers and getting the room full for the sake of that. Here it is about upside down lives in this world having to be turned right side up in the kingdom. Because when I look at the streets and the city and the cultures and the schools and the lifestyles of people out here, I just see a whole lot of upside down lives. And we've got all the space for them right here in our midst. What would it look like if we see these lives as an opportunity for the fullness, to have the vision of God, for the fullness of God to come to these people. God, we have vision to see your fullness in this community. We have vision that you have chosen us to bring fullness to broken lives. Next is that we are people of sacrifice. In Ezekiel, it speaks about these trees and that the trees are around this river of God and that the trees are entrusted with fruit and that they bear fruit every month. And these trees didn't hold on to their fruit because they're scared that there might not be fruit next month. They said, we're gonna take the resource that God has given us and we're gonna share it lavishly and sacrifice and give it up. 
Right in the beginning, when God chose Israel as his people, he said, I want to have a dwelling place amongst my people. And he called Israel's leader, Moses, at that time up, and he said, Moses, I want you to build a dwelling place for me. And the Lord commanded the work that Moses needed to do. Today, we are that dwelling place of God. So the principles of what he shared with Moses still applies. He says, I want you to get the people, and I want you to tell the people that there's a work to be done, but it's going to cost them something. There's some sacrifice involved. You need to get those with the talents to build together. And tell them, don't just build for yourself and sell your stuff. Take some of your hours and your time and come build the house of God. And then you've got to get all the others and say, you've got to bring us gold. And, and he had this list of things that they needed to bring and the people brought it. And then we read in Exodus 36 that they brought more than enough. Let's read together. All the craftsmen who were doing every sort of task, there it is, our talent, our creativity, what we get to give. All of them came and said to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. They were doing the Lord's work. And I believe that as every nation summits the West, we have a work that God has for us as a community. And if we see it as God's work, then we would happily say, God, I would give up and sacrifice some of my time, my talent, my resource to see your work done through this community in this community. Can you imagine the day where we could get up the, every Sunday at the end of the month, like, guys, everything we needed to do this month, boom, done. You guys have brought enough. There was enough hands to help set up. There was enough guys to, to lead connect groups. There was enough finances to make happen what we needed to make happen. There was a, re a revelation that building the house of God is the work of God. And the same principle applies today. What we are doing here is creating the household of God, which is us as a, as a company of believers together. What I like about this is that the people who did this didn't see it as a sacrifice. It's a word that we love to use. Yeah, I'm sacrificing some of my time. They saw it as obedience. And the word of God says that he desires obedience above sacrifice. But this idea of giving beyond what you would like to hold on to is something that will make us a people of vision that would see many lives turned right side up in the kingdom as we partner with him. And many of you are already doing this, but if you wanna find a place where you can get stuck in and use your time and talent and energy, we wanna create a moment for you to sign up for that. Last year, we created a link where you can go and click on the link and you can sign up to serve on a team and you will be contacted. And today, after the service, we'll be SMSing that link to you guys again to say, okay, this year is gonna be the year that I'm gonna play my part. I wanna sign up and help. I wanna sacrifice some, some of my comfort and my time to serve the, the work of the Lord, which he has commanded us. Stewardship.ensw.org. You can also click that at any time, but today is an opportunity to say we are people who will give beyond and use the fruit that God has entrusted to us so that there's food and healing for the nations. Our sixth point that we're gonna stop at today is the idea of generosity. that this river went down to the dry and dead places. It went where it wasn't comfortable. And then in that place, the revival power of God started working. And then there was generosity. There was just enough around 
this river that it said every living thing that swarmed, in other words, all animals that lives together in troops came and stayed amongst this river. But it needed to be a place where these trees would yield up their fruit. And we say that we are a people of generosity. And this morning, I hope to encourage you in generosity by, by showing you that generosity is also out of the disposition of grace. For the past three weeks, we've been speaking about amazing grace. And that amazing grace is where we live from. But did you know that generosity is a gift of grace? It's not something we have to try and make us happen ourselves. We can read in 2 Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given to the church of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, in really troublesome and hard times, their abundance of joy and within their extreme poverty, it has overflowed in a wealth of generosity. The first church understood that being generous is not something that you have to be or become. It's the grace of God that enables you to be generous. Because I need it. There are many days in my life that I don't want to be generous, right? And then I'm like, God, give me the grace today. Because you've been speaking to my heart. And I want to be generous so that your work can be done. So enable me today. Because grace trains and enables us to do everything we need to do. So if we say we are a people of generosity It's not a, I'm not in the mood for it. I can't do it. It's God, please give me the grace to do this. Please enable me and empower me to give towards your vision. For the past 11 months, we've been speaking about local is lacquer, which was saying for ENSW to do everything it needs to do in its local context, we need quite a lot of money beyond what we are currently getting in. And there was a number given to it, 750,000. And today we are just over 400,000, halfway between 400,000 and 500,000. But the financial year that we are finding ourselves in is ending at the end of February. And that is still the backlog of what we need to catch up on in order for us to make everything happen that we have already done this past 11 months and hope to do in the next months to come. So I'm I'm painting a picture here to let you understand that over the past 11 months, it's been a really interesting time because that's what we needed over and above our regular income to make the vision and the work of God happen in this community. But there's still time for us to be generous. And I have faith that God would speak to us and give us the grace in order to give so that we can see that number reached. So when we say we are a people of generosity, we also live under that grace and say, God, give us the grace to be generous even if we can't, because there's been moments where I needed to be generous and I didn't have the money in my back pocket, but then by the grace of God, something miraculous happens and there's a means to be generous when I couldn't be. It's just how it works. It's amazing how he works and makes it happen. And when you give this morning, I want you to see it as a measure of grace, not a measure of duty, not a work that you have to do, but something that we do because the grace of God has come to each of our lives. The last, and definitely not least, pit stop in our journey of every nation Summers of the West and our vision is the idea of diversity. That we are a diverse people and that we would look towards reaching a diverse people. We shared this last year. If you guys can remember this Sunday with Zola in the house and Kailicha, amazing, amazing moment for us. And we said, We want to see a church as the river of God is that is filled with all kinds of fish. 
This river of God flows and inside of it, you don't just find salmon, you find every fish you can imagine under the sun. The diversity that is the people that God has created, fish representing people who exist in a place where the river of God goes. And then it says, there's the casting of nets. Us standing on the banks and reaching out and pulling in that harvest, bringing in that diverse multitude, great amounts of fish that God has for us to catch. And as every nation sums the West, God has showed us where we need to reach beyond our own borders of this space. And yes, within the walls of this church, we are a diverse people. And that's amazing. But there are other places and communities and cultures that we want to reach. Four places God has strategically given us in our vision is Every Nation Zola is our partnership with them across the road. Every Nation Kailicha, which was started last year. Every Nation Eastern Cape, where we've been working for maybe about three years, and God is doing amazing things. And this morning, Anthony is there with the church there, preaching to them and ministering to them. And every nation in Europe, four places that God has showed this house to reach out to. So this morning, the guys are gonna pray, can come up. What we're gonna do is we're not just gonna say this again, we're actually gonna take action and pray for the diversity that God has called us to. We're gonna all stand up, you guys can join me. And then our four prayer leaders this morning is gonna lead a prayer towards these four areas. And we're gonna face that way and I did a proper Google map set up this morning. I was standing with my Google map arrow and like, okay, Zola, would you believe it? Where's Zola? No, it's not there, it's there. So we're gonna be praying towards Zola and then I'm gonna surprise you to where all the others are as well because we're gonna all have it wrong. But let's have faith this morning. Let's stretch out our hands and let's agree in prayer for Zola this morning. Awesome, thank you, Dave, you can lead us. Father, we just thank you so much for the work you're doing in Zola. We thank you, Lord, that you said uh, that the, har- the fields are ripe unto harvest, that the fields are white, and that you, know, you just require workers to be in your field. And I thank you that people are ready to hear the gospel in that Zola community. Zola Nomzamu Loanle, thank you, God, that you powerfully use the Every Nation Church there just to reach that community in the most profound way. Thank you that they can be salt and light there, my Lord. Mm, And I thank you that you said that your church will advance and not even the gates of Hades will be able to stop it advancing. So we just pray for that despite all the challenges, whatever challenges the church there faces. I thank you that it'll grow in Zola. And we thank you that you will be calling out young people there Mm. who will change this country, Mm. who will change this continent and change this world. through your power at work with them. So thank you, Lord, for establishing the church there. We thank you for the amazing testimony when we look back over the years, just how radically transformed that community will be through your awesome power. So God, we just say, let your kingdom come, Mm. let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in Zola. And thank thank you, Lord, Lord, for your awesome power, your love Mm. that will freely flow in that community. So God, we just thank you for everything that's gonna happen there. Thank you, In Lord. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Let's face towards that corner exit there. That's the direction of Kailicha. Let's stretch our hands and agree with Al in prayer this morning. Lord, we stand before you as one family with joy, Gloria, and the every nation Kailicha church that you have planted. As Joshua and Caleb saw, we choose to see that Kailicha is a land of opportunity and potential. 
a land ready to receive your victory because nothing is impossible with you, God. Thank you that this battle belongs to you. We stand in confidence as mighty warriors because of your name, which makes every single knee bow and every tongue confess and demons flee. We know that no matter the scale or the odds in Kailicha, you are bigger because you are the God of miracles who spoke this world into existence, parted the seas, raised the dead, healed my brokenness, fed the thousands with a handful of fish and loaves and held the sun in the sky. You are the good farmer and now is the time of planting in Kailicha, your field. We will tend and nurture the plants, confident in the knowledge that you will grow them. And in your perfect timing, there will be such a rich harvest of salvations and your light will spread throughout Kailicha. We stand as one with the Every Nation Kailicha team and rejoice that, as David before Goliath, a few small pebbles with you are enough. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Eastern Cape. Okay, just before, this way. I, just before I start praying with, that way. Yes, okay. Just before I start praying for the Eastern Cape, uh, where must I go? To the middle, okay. Um, I just want to quickly say that, you know, the Eastern Cape, many of our, our country's leaders come from the Eastern Cape. I think of Mr. Tabo Mbeki, Mr. Nelson Mandela. Um, a lot of them were born and raised in the, in the homeland surrounding um, the, the capital city, which is Bisha, so the Siskai and Transkai, and, um, and also, I look at what we're praying for next is Europe, and I'm going to actually, I didn't do this in the first service, but I'm going to ask Auntie Gita, Auntie Gita, can you come join me? I just want Auntie Gita to come stand with me, um, she's also from the Eastern Cape, 30 years in Stutterham, I was born in a little town right next to Stutterham called Cathcart, and her son planted the church in Europe, which we're going to be, <laughs> which we're going to be praying for next. So I just feel it's quite prophetic that she stands with me and as we, we pray for the Eastern Cape, as her son went out and planted from the Eastern Cape to Europe. So I just think, let's just pray. We're going to pray over it and then I'm going to prophetically speak Isaiah 60 over the awesome. Eastern Cape. This way, guys. Yeah, so this way. Okay, <laughs> on to Gita. So Father, as we stretch our hands out to the Eastern Cape, God, I thank you. I thank you for life that comes out from that province, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, you say we must never despise small beginnings, Lord. And out of those little towns, those little homelands, Lord, you are raising up mighty leaders, mighty warriors, not only for our nation, Lord, but for the nations of the world. So we speak life, we speak hope, we speak peace over the Eastern Cape. Father, I bind a spirit of ancestral worship over that place in the name of Jesus. I thank you that people will turn their hearts and their affections to you, God. And Lord, as the sun rises in the east, we want to declare Isaiah 60 over the Eastern Cape and we say to you arise shine Eastern Cape for your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises upon you see darkness is over the peoples but Thank the Lord, Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you nations will come to your light Eastern Cape and the kings to the brightness of your dawn in the name of Jesus mm -hmm. amen amen I want to ask Omagita to stand next to Joni as she prays for Europe because not only is Wolfie, her son, from the Eastern Cape and planted in London. He also leads the entire region of Europe for every nation. So let's just stand there. Let's have her declare that with us. Europe is that way. All right, let's pray for Europe together. Thank you, Joni. 
Um, I just have such a sense that for many of us, Europe has been far. And I feel that today that the Lord is just doing something profound as we catch his heart and his vision for Europe. So Father, you say, ask of me and I will give you the nations as an inheritance. So Father, today we respond to that invitation. As we look to Europe, we ask of you for the nations of Europe as an inheritance. Holy Spirit, we ask supernaturally an outpour of your, of your heart into our hearts Thank today. Lord. Arrest our hearts, that we may receive your heart for Europe, that we may see as you see, Lord God, and feel as you do for those people and those nations. Mm. Fill this house with a compassion and a love for Europe to see the lost saved, the captives set free. You have told us the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And again there, Lord, as an every nation, Somerset West family, we want to respond to that, Lord God. And we ask you to send out harvesters into the many fields of Europe. More workers, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you for this season of a mighty outpour of your spirit, a raising up of anointed evangelists, raising up of your sons and daughters, yes, your church with a new level of boldness to rise up and share the gospel. Father, to be generous with, Allah, with your life within us. Father, we know that we know that the cries of the many nations of Europe have reached your ears and you've seen their tears. Lord, that they are like sheep without a shepherd and your desire. Father, we see your heart and your desire to heal them and to send shepherds after their own heart. So Father, lastly, we just want to thank you for the hour that we found ourselves in of an end-time harvest, Father, a multitude to coming to your kingdom. Thank you, Father God, for nations of Europe to be rebirthed, brought from darkness into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of your Son, whom you love. Isaiah 66, verse 8. Who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day and a nation be brought forth in a moment? And Father, I thank you that through prayers in petitioning from this place, Father, that it will reach out and your word will accomplish its purpose and we will see a revival come, Lord God, to the nations of Europe. And we worship and we praise you for that Mm. in Jesus' name. Amen. Do we all say? Amen. Amen. Why don't you just remain standing and just declare this with me. Say, we are people with vision. We are a people of devotion. We are a people of demonstration. We are a people of discipleship. We are a people of vision. We are a people of sacrifice. We are a people of generosity. We are a people of diversity. That's our vision. Let's continue to walk in it. Be blessed in it. 
And I pray that you would have an incredible week as you see God further in how it looks for you. In the name of Jesus, I pray that. Amen.